0: Welcome to this evidence-based nursing podcast. I'm joined today by Assistant Professor Halia Buck from Pennsylvania State University, and she's the author of the commentary that we're about to discuss, which is interested and concerned with patients with heart failure and their partners, and the value that they hold in being seen and supported together. Good afternoon, Halia.
1: Good afternoon.
0: Firstly, can I just open by asking you to introduce yourself and just telling us a little bit about your current position?
1: Sure. Thank you. As you noted, I am an assistant professor at Penn State University in the U.S. I'm also board certified in hospice and palliative nursing, and I'm a fellow in palliative care nursing, so I'm very interested in questions related to caregiving, particularly in the home environment. I've cared for cardiovascular patients across the trajectory from open heart recovery to telemetry to hospice in about 20 plus years of clinical practice. But my research focuses on advanced heart failure patient and caregiver dyads, examining the relationships between the dyad's characteristics and their symptom management. This line of inquiry actually came directly out of my clinical practice, where I would make home visits and observe patients and caregivers in their home environment, making decisions related to their heart failure self-care. During these interactions, I was able to observe the impact of the caregiver on the patient's choices. I was fortunate to complete a postdoctoral research fellowship with an internationally recognized expert in heart failure self-care, Dr. Barbara Regal at the University of Pennsylvania, in 2008 to 2010, and since that time, I've developed a theoretically derived dietic typology of heart failure self-care and an instrument to measure it, and I have received funding from both foundations and the National Institutes of Health to examine heart failure diets.
0: That's great. Thank you. Can you tell me a little bit about what we know in relation to patients with heart failure and their partners and the value that they might hold to being seen and supported together in the clinical setting?
1: You know, this group from Linkaping University examined the perceived caring needs of heart failure patient and partner dyads, and really what we know about heart failure patient and caregiver or dyadic caring needs could really fit on the head of a pin. Heart failure is considered an ambulatory care-sensitive diagnosis. That is, most patients are managed in the community with a combination of clinic visits and self-care. In the U.S., that means that most heart failure patients are seen in a clinic for a few minutes by a primary care provider, geriatrician, internist, or cardiologist in their examination room. But studies have shown that there are communication deficits, bi-directional, I might add, in this setting. We know from the literature, for example, Casey Baimer's work at Mayo Clinic, that even if a caregiver attends a clinic visit, clinicians rarely engage them. We also know that caregiver satisfaction with the clinician communication mediates the relationship between frequency of caregiver presence at the clinic visit and better heart failure self-care maintenance and management at home. That comes from Crystal Sane's work in 2014. And it makes sense when you think about it. If the caregiver is satisfied with the clinician, they're relaxed. They can take in the information that they're being given, then they can go home and either provide the care or cue the patient about the clinician's instructions. Yet, what we know about heart failure caregivers and their needs is relatively little. In 2012, I conducted a systematic review of heart failure caregivers' contributions to self-care with a group of Canadian nurse scientists at McMaster University. Using the most inclusive terms from inception of modern scientific studies, we found in 2012 that we could only identify 40 empiric studies that measured a heart failure caregiver outcome variable or interviewed a caregiver if it was a qualitative study. If you compare that with the cancer or dementia caregiving literature, it is breathtaking how little we know about heart failure caregivers and caregiving in general. So this study has added significantly to the literature.
0: What did the authors of the study do?
1: It was very interesting how they addressed the question that they wanted to answer. The study used focus group interviews and qualitative content analysis to elicit and analyze the narrative. Swedish participants who had previously taken part in an intervention study were invited to participate in this study. From 49 potential dyads from the parent study, 19 dyads from both the intervention and control groups agreed to participate in eight focus groups of around two to three dyads per group. Generally, when they refused, it was for sickness, their partner was too sick, or they just really weren't interested. So ultimately, the dyads were made up of 12 male and seven female patients With opposite sex partners. Now, the mean age of the patients were around 72. The mean age of the the caregiver was around 70. This is a very common heart failure patient and caregiver age. Interviews lasted between 50 and 90 minutes, and the narratives were divided into domains, then meaning units before coding. And the codes were then interpreted and sorted first into subcategories, then into categories and themes. What they found was actually pretty interesting. Two themes arose from the data that described, one, that diets perceived a need for continuous guidance through the different phases of the heart failure trajectory, and two, they needed to share the burden and support with each other and other diets. Continuous guidance was needed generally through the acquisition of knowledge and through supportive healthcare contact and the shared burden and support not only involve the need for other members of the diet to be educated about heart failure and ask questions, but also the need for support from other people in the same circumstance.
0: Now, can you tell me a little bit about the strengths and weaknesses of the methods that we study?
1: You know, it's very interesting, but every research has its strengths and weaknesses. Hmm. And sometimes they can actually be in the same domain. So several things to keep in mind with this study is that it took place in one country and indeed in one section of one country. So that's a question of generalizability. Would you find the same thing in another country? That means we need more research in the area. Also, the diets had previously taken part in an intervention study, which may have resulted in some external threats to the validity of the study through selection bias. There may have been something different about the people who agreed to the parent study. And then when that second selection was made for this current study, it may have resulted indeed in a very different group again. If nothing else, the people who said yes. Also, the caregivers in this study are cohabiting partners in a marriage-like relationship. Now, in my studies, a full 30% of caregivers are adult children. So their perceived needs may be different from this group. But the strengths of the study are also evident. The use of focus groups is a strong methodology. The research team had senior members who are well seasoned and their methodology was careful. Several authors on this paper have recently conducted an assessment of the latest research of what is known about the burden of caregiving and recommended dyadic conceptualization and earlier referral to palliative or supportive care interventions. So they know the literature and they know how to conduct qualitative research. In doing so, they provide evidence for the trustworthiness of their findings.
0: So what do you think are the main implications for clinical practice in this study?
1: Well, I know for me, the main implication for my clinical practice is to view the patient in front of me as part of a larger system made up of a dyad or a family system. You know, while the gerontology literature has highlighted that the number of social ties maintained by older adults, such as in heart failure, has dropped over the last several generations, generally most of us are part of some social system. So if we as clinicians do not take into account the needs of that social system, we may be missing an opportunity to improve adherence and positive patient outcome. Will you allow me just for a moment to, to have a little professional pride? Mm-hmm. I think nurses are ideally positioned to lead in this area. Our holistic models more closely approximate the reality of our patients' lives, and I think we need to speak up and advocate for caregivers in this setting.
0: Very good. And finally, what one final message do you think our listeners can take from this research?
1: That's a very interesting question because I think the study actually elicits several messages. But I know the one that came through the most strongly for me was that the current healthcare system in both the U.S. and Europe, with all the different systems are still all of them are built upon the assumption that heart failure caregivers will engage with the patient in self-care. But dyads perceive a greater need for formal and informal support than our current systems are designed to meet. These needs can be met by what I call high-tech, low-cost interventions. In other words, human contact and caring environments. The systems need to change and I think nurses need to be the change agents in the system.
0: Thank you very much for joining us and uh, thank you for a very interesting podcast.